Welcome to So Here's the Thing, the podcast for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and creative educators who are ready to take their business to the next level. Through candid conversations, tactical approaches, and a few unpopular opinions, we're lifting the veil on what it takes to build both a life and a business that you love. I'm your host, Leila Amati, a coach for creatives and founder of the Creative Educator Academy, where I help entrepreneurs step into the role of industry leaders and educators. I'm so glad that you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today we have the one and only Elizabeth McCravey. She is joining us today and I have known Elizabeth like via the internet for I feel like a couple years and we talk all the time, but this is our first time actually talking like face to face, which is so fun because I feel like, I feel like I already know you. So I'm so excited to have you on the show and you're just such a wealth of knowledge. Um, Elizabeth has her own podcast, the breakthrough brand podcast, and it is so amazing. She has so much valuable content on there and she's also a web designer. I know that she is one of show it's top designers. She's like won awards at show it United. And it's just been really fun to watch, watch her grow. And just, I feel like take over the world. I feel like you're amazing. So I'm so excited to have Elizabeth here. I'm going to like, let you take the mic and just tell us like a little bit about your journey, like a little behind the scenes of how you got to where you are and, and what you're up to these days. Oh my gosh. Well, that was the best intro. So thank you for that. And it is so, we were talking about this right before we started recording. It's just like, we're like, oh wait, we've, this is the first time we're like seeing each other face to face talking. Cause I feel like we voice message and yeah, talk on Instagram all the time. So yeah, this is really fun. And, um, you guys will have to check out my podcast. I'm definitely going to have lately on soon as well. So that's fun. But yeah, so my name's Elizabeth, a little bit about how I got here. I studied digital media in college, got a job right out of college in advertising, quit it um, after three months and started my business. And this kind of applies to what we're talking about today, but like my business started with me actually doing social media marketing with a little mix of like random design stuff in it. Um, and eventually I figured out that what I really was passionate about was website design. And so now my business years later looks like that I sell show at website templates. And I also teach designers how to build a successful um, branding website business, working with clients and have a podcast and other courses coming out. And um, I invest in real estate, do all kinds of random stuff. So <laughs> That is so cool. That real estate is like a beast and you, I'm sure it takes so much time to learn that side of things too. Yeah. It's so fun too. And my husband, Adam is the one that like manages that part of things. We have a real estate business together. So I feel like he's the one that like is doing most of the learning, but it is like, yeah, a lot to learn there. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I, that's the biggest reason that we have Elizabeth on the show today is to talk about creating multiple revenue streams and how to get started in doing that and how to kind of decide if that's something that's good for you. I think it's really important for all creatives, all entrepreneurs to have more than one revenue stream, but I know that people get stuck in the weeds of this a lot. And so I'm excited to hear your opinion on all of this, because I feel like everything you just listed, it's like, you've got so many pillars to your business or legs to your business, whatever you want to call them. And I'm excited to kind of hear your take on how to even like start implementing all of this. So uh, let's dive into it. I feel like I, the first thing I want to talk about, because I hear this everywhere is, and I, by the way, I pronounce this word niche. I don't know how you say, is that Did you I say niche? I think I, riches are in the niches. I say 
niche too. You're right. But then I say niche when I say that little phrase. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And that's what we're going to talk about is the phrase, the riches are in the niches, even though I swear it's niche, like niche is the British way. (laughs) And and we're just, we're very British. Love it. <laughs> We're so fancy. So, but I, I, I want to hear kind of your take on this because I get it. Like I see the value in that, like the riches are in the niches and like, but I feel like sometimes people get trapped in that feeling of like, okay, so I have to pick one thing and that's the one thing I can do. And like, how does that relate to getting into multiple revenue streams and like creating new ways to bring in profit for your business? Like what's your take on this? Yeah. So oh gosh, I mean, so I love talking about the top, that phrase, the riches are in the niches, because I think that message is told to us at all phases of our business, but especially to people when they're just starting out. So I'd even say it's like, we can maybe have a conversation about both elements, like someone new and then someone who's been in business a bit longer, but like when you're just starting out, it like to tie in my own story. Like if I had said from day one, I only, I want to be a website designer. So like, that's all I'm going to offer. I would have made like no money my first year in business because I did like maybe one website for like 400 bucks. Um, but instead, because I was like doing a variety of things and really paying attention to like, okay, you know, I, I think I could enjoy that. Let me see. Um, okay. I think I enjoyed that. Um, and then you figure out like, okay, I'm not that good at that. Or, um, I didn't really like the experience of working with a client on that, or that's not really a fit for me. So kind of by trying, a lot of different things, you can start to hone in on like kind of eliminating some things. So from like a service business perspective, I actually always recommend people starting out doing multiple things, kind of slowly eliminating what doesn't serve you, um, and figuring out like, you know, a few things ultimately that you are passionate about and that you're going to enjoy doing. So that's why, what's your take lately? That's kind of my take from like people starting out to just try a few things. I actually 100% agree. Like I know when I was starting, I did a lot of people know that I was a photographer when I started out, but I did all types of photography and every educator was like, pick one. And I was like, well, I want to see what I like and what I love and what, you know, fires me up. And I actually had kind of a unique thing because I was a teacher. And so I did, I did all types of photography and I taught workshops. And if I hadn't, and those workshops were not for, for, for professionals, they were for like moms with cameras and, you know, like teenagers. Cause I was a high school teacher, but if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't done all those things, I wouldn't have noticed like, Oh, this is what I love. And like, this is what mm-hmm. I feel like I can grow in. So I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Photography is a great example. Cause it's like, you actually can learn unique skills for like, say you ultimately want to only do weddings, like you photographing a like fussy newborn or a dog or whatever, like that's going to help you, um, ultimately grow in your skill and then be better as a wedding photographer. And it really does just apply to like all types of businesses in that sense of starting out that way. Yeah, for sure. And being able to see like, okay, I actually am really not enjoying this one thing. Um, and I love what you said about phasing things out. Like, I feel like you can do that over time. And I think so often people really want to just like jump the gun and they want quick results and they want things to happen overnight. But I like the idea of like, try some things, phase them out, decide what you want to like stick to and like, take your time. Because at the end of the day, like how long do you want your business to be around? Yeah. That's a great thought. Yeah. And so I, I always tell people to like, with thinking about 
okay, say you are going to try a few different things. You don't have to market all of those things from your website. So it doesn't have to be that you're saying, hi, I'm a Jack or Jane of all trades on my website. It can be that you're picking, like say to use photographers, you ultimately want to do senior photography. It's like, you can kind of make that your key thing on the website, but then you're going to accept a wedding. You're going to accept a family portrait session, like whatever other thing it is, but you're leading with where you think you want to end up knowing that that might change, um, and be evaluated. But like for me, if I had said like the thing I started out with again was social media management. And I actually did believe that like, that might be what my business was going to be long-term, but if I hadn't, if I'd been saying no, like, okay, someone wants branding. Nope. Then I wouldn't have ever like discovered how much I love the, the design side of things more so even like social media marketing. So I love that point. Cause I feel like it also brings up the whole idea and concept that people are told, like we're often told, like you said, from the beginning, pick one route and people feel like they can't take the other ones. Like even if they're not marketing them. So I love that you brought that up. Um, how important do you feel it is to actually diversify your revenue streams? Like, do you think it's something that everyone should do? I know I kind of already like threw my two cents in there in the introduction, but do you feel like it's important or do you think people can kind of choose? Like, I'm just going to do the one thing or like, no, you probably should, should diversify. Yeah, I think diversifying long-term. So maybe talking to business owners that have been like doing it for a little while, maybe you've built up a clientele as a photographer, a designer, copywriter, whatever, and you want to add in other things like that's so smart to be able to serve your audience in different ways as your audience grows with you and um, expands and all that. Um, I, I think for me, like the reason that I wanted to add more revenue streams and different like niches to market to was that I realized I was more passionate about more passionate about things besides just website design. And I really, I know you can relate to this. I really enjoy teaching. Um, and so it was like that, that was something I was like, okay, I need to add this. And I had people asking for it. So listening to your audience is huge with that. Um, like are people, wanting something from you that you're able to provide, whether it be like templates or some sort of education that people want from you and that would benefit them. Um, and like, I know this is kind of saying random stuff here, but like another, another reason is like it to not be dependent on one source of income in your business is huge. Again, long-term it can be like, I, I think it can almost look like you start out with a lot of things. You kind of hone in and get really good with one thing. And then you add more to it. Um, like for me, I built up my template shop pretty significantly focused just on that primarily before adding in, um, my course booked out designer. And I think that was smart to like get one thing, really get there, get it going. Um, and then add something else after. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so important because we talk about this several times on this show. Um, and I've even had people come in and talk about like the importance of critique and growth and like making sure that what you're offering is actually like exceptional and built and sturdy before you move on to the next thing. So I love that you brought that up because I do think that that's important. And I also think there's some freedom in that. Like you don't have to do everything at once and you also don't have to stay put. So like just letting things grow and then moving on in kind of like an organic way that feels kind of like a road, you know, like you're following this path. 
Yeah. Being able to say no to something that like, like cancel an offer. If you, you know, if you're adding a revenue stream and it's not working, there's nothing wrong. You're not failing. Um, it was good that you tried, but there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, that did not work. Um, maybe I try again, adding something else later and focus on this thing right now. I think that's, I, that was actually my experience. The first time I added a second revenue stream was like no one bought. Um, and that was years ago, way too early in my business. Like I, I was doing one-on-one work and was like, I'm going to make a brand shop, basically like pre-made brands. Um, and it wasn't the right time. Like no one wanted that from me yet. And I was able to just say, okay, like that was lost time. I tried, I learned so much through that experience that ultimately helped me. Like when I did release my template shop and that did work. Um, but I wouldn't have had that, like, had I not just tried it. So that is such a great mindset to have. I feel like that is something that holds people back so much is like, what if it doesn't go well? And I love your response. Like it might not go well, but that's okay. Yeah. And like, I would, the thing I would change with the way, like I, I could have prevented some of it not going well. Had I like, and this is like a tip I would give is make sure that what you're creating people want from you so that they want it in general, which I think I was kind of like, I don't even like, I don't know if people really in general even wanted what I was trying to sell, um, but they want in general. And then second, that they are want it from you, that you have the demand. Um, oftentimes that second revenue stream is like, you've started as a service provider and it's adding something that is like a shop, a course, um, just a different kind of a more like one-to-many type of offer often. And you need to make sure you have like the demand for going one to many. And I did not at the time, which I think was why it didn't go well. So I could have prevented that had I like paid more attention to that. Yeah. But I think it's so great that you even can acknowledge, like it was a learning process and you walked away with so much more knowledge than you had in the beginning. So it's really not, nothing's wasted. Nothing's, you know, cemented and nothing is a failure. It's just kind of like, okay, I learned a lot from this. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. So I love hearing kind of like your first foray into this, but what kind of prompted you to figure out, you know, like what that next step was going to be, what you were going to branch off into, like you discovered that you loved working with brands and you know, you love teaching. So I feel like that was like really natural, but hearing your own personal story, I think would be really helpful, but also like what about people who don't quite know, like they don't feel like, okay, I love to teach. And this is, this is really funny because I, as you know, I have the creative educator Academy. So my whole job is to like help people learn how to teach what they do. But I also am very firm in the belief that like teaching is not for everyone and education isn't for everyone to offer as that like secondary revenue source. So like, what would you say, I guess if people aren't like us and they don't know that they want to teach immediately, what are some first steps to get them started into thinking like, what could be as another way to bring in new profit? Yeah. A big one that comes to mind is surveying your audience. Um, I do, and you might do this too lately, but I do like a yearly survey. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the software type form. You can use the free version and ask a bunch of questions. Um, it's typically good to do something like maybe offering a gift card to like two winners, like a $25 Amazon gift card, or you could just like make it that there's no, no incentive. And you're saying like, Hey, I want to make stuff to better serve you. Can I ask some questions? And in that survey, ask the questions you want to know the answers to that will help you figure out like what people are wanting from you. And you can often look through, um, the questions and like the responses of like what people are interested in and come up with like, okay, there's a trend of like, people want, 
this type of product for me that maybe I never thought about, or people keep asking this question. Maybe that's something I could create an ebook on or a course on, or make into a DIY version of maybe it's a coaching program. Like it could be so many things. So in my survey, I usually ask like the whole, like, if you could ask me anything, what would you ask? And I look for trends. Um, actually someone on my team takes the whole survey and makes it into like this beautiful Excel. I like, how does she do it? But it's like, an amazing Excel document that like is putting things into categories so we can like see trends. I end up pulling a lot of questions that come from that survey every year for podcast episodes. But then I also every time have seen stuff where I'm like, okay, I would not have necessarily thought about myself to offer, but like people are saying it to me in this survey. Um, and that can give you great ideas. You can also pull people in a simpler way, um, by doing like an Instagram request for people to message you about, to answer a question about like what, what they'd want from you next. But I think just asking is like a great first step. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that's a great first step for people to take and like, so actionable. Thank you. That's amazing. Hey friend, I know it can be super overwhelming and intimidating to start on the path of becoming an educator, but if that is something that you're passionate about and that you're excited about, I have got a free gift for you. I've created an ebook that is going to help you learn about the big mistakes holding creatives back from becoming profitable, impactful educators and how to avoid making those mistakes in your own journey. So if you want to grab that free ebook, head to laylyamadi.com slash ebook, or just head to the show notes at so here's the thing podcast.com and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys and I'm cheering you on, on your educator journey. Okay. So what are some challenges that people might come up against once they're starting to kind of like move outside of where they're currently at and trying to find that growth? Like what are some of the biggest challenges that you came up against while you were growing? Like these kind of, I mean, and I'm, I'm really not just trying to like throw compliments at you, but they're kind of massive brands. Like you have like a really successful signature course. And you also have a very successful shop. And like, that seems like a lot, like, how do you navigate any of those challenges that come up and what are some of the biggest ones? Thank you for that. Well, okay, here, let me actually, I just realized I haven't, I don't know if we've said this super clearly, but I can tell people real fast. So like I have a template shop, right. And those are website templates they're on show it typically something, not someone who does what I do would buy, right. Someone who's not a designer who wants help with their website would buy that. And then my other big offer is a course for designers, um, on building their design business. And then I have other stuff I'm working on as well. But so those are like two almost completely different people, right? Cause I'm seeing, seeing the templates is like, okay, someone who's a designer will not buy this. And someone who wants a template would not want my designer course. So it is like when I did that, it, it started to definitely complicate things a little bit in terms of like messaging. I'm actually currently in the process of redesigning my website, even to like help integrate the two more because my site right now is just talking to website templates, um, which makes sense, right? That's how I built my business for the past few years. That was my core offer booked out designer stuff is on it, but it's not the focus, which is what it needed to be. But now it's like, I have to figure out, um, how to integrate the two together and how to like, from my site, talk to both audiences. Um, and one, so like first, first piece of advice I'd give, if you are someone that you're at, maybe you've already added, um, an offer that's to a different niche or you're starting to, don't water your messaging down because you're talking to more people now. Um, I think it can be a temptation to be like, okay, so now, um, do you, maybe all of your content was 
targeting that first group. And now you're adding the second one. So you're like, I need to just change it to be talking to both people all the time. So like for me as a podcaster, I still am very deliberate with having episodes where I'm only talking to someone who would want a template and where I'm only talking to someone who is a brand or website designer. And those are separate. And I know that like someone who goes into both camps might listen to the episode as well, but I'm still going to say, Hey, this is an episode for designers. Um, or this is a free download for designers and, and kind of keeping stuff separate. This is something for someone who's not a designer and wants DIY help. So really differentiating that. And that's going to help you again, talk really deliberately to the person you're wanting to talk to. And then even outside of like content marketing, but when we talk about stuff like list growth, um, doing free downloads and getting people on your email segmented as much as you can through that sort of thing. So like I have funnels that put people into for the website templates and a separate one for book.designer two completely different, like selling literally two completely different products in each one. Um, and I'm having to make sure that like people aren't in both at the same time, that the people who end up in one should be in that one. Right. And that they opted in for something that means they're going to be interested in that product. And it's a lot to figure out, um, and to keep organized, but I think it's important to like kind of separate the two. So that'd be my first main thought on that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I think that one of the biggest questions I hear from people who are, you know, stepping into that next offer is like, how do I, how do I message correctly? And like, how do I make sure that I'm not neglecting one audience over the other? So would you say that you do like a pretty, even, I know you said you're really deliberate, especially on your podcast, but like, like social media and everything, like, how do you kind of make sure that you're striking a balance? Yeah. So I would say I, I haven't struck a balance because book.designer still feels newer to me. And until recently I was doing like cart open cart close models. So it wasn't even for sale all the time, which I think helped because what my website templates are always for sale, which that's even another thing, right? Having products where it's like one, you can always be talking about and one that like, you're only talking about more certain times of year. Um, so I like now, because I've always loved like the evergreen business model to have like both that way, but yeah, I have haven't always been balanced with it. And I think it's nice too, that a lot of content can talk to both. So I say, don't water it down, but it's also okay to have pieces that like both different groups or multiple groups can all benefit from. I do a lot of like even lifestyle more so type of content that I think that it might be more like business tips for my own business and things I'm doing that both groups would benefit from and enjoy. But then when I'm like, I'm going to make, let's say, here's an example. Like I have a freebie. That's the designer's guide to mastering discovery calls. Mm -hmm. I could have said the service providers guide and then, and, and honestly just generalized some of the tips and then made it work for everyone. Cause everyone does sales calls. Um, but instead I said, I want this to be designers who are opting in for it. Designers who I'm speaking to directly. And I think that helps, it helps you market your products better for one, but really speaking to like that specific person, I think is big. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, okay. So everything that you kind of like touched on in the whole, like navigating the roles and like making sure that you have like specific funnels built out, is this something that like, like when people get stuck, what are, what are some tips you can give them to kind of like push through because it is so much work. And if like, let's say you're already a, a booked out service provider, how are you able to navigate those two things? Like do you need to hire help? Do you like, what are your, what are your biggest tips here? 
Yeah. So, okay. Thinking about going from like, say one offer to two and scaling in that way. Gosh. I mean, the other, it's, it's hard. Like, I I mean, I, when I think about first, like making my templates, I was doing that while working with clients and being booked out on those projects, but then on the side, trying to make time to like build out this shop and launch and all of that. And that's like, it's a huge amount of work. And I think in terms of staying like encouraged through it, like remembering, saving yourself reminders, maybe of like people who have said they want this from you and keep reminding yourself who you're making it for, that they're excited about it. And, um, I think that's super motivating. That was motivating for me, creating book.designer of like knowing there were people who wanted to buy it and were excited and I was making it for them. Um, as far as juggling, like, the, the mess of doing so many different things. Like you mentioned having help. I do think that's huge. I would not have been able to go from templates to also a course without having a team because that caused me to have to focus a little bit less on templates for a little while. So if I was doing all of my customer support myself, um, I would not have had time to build out like a 90 lesson course on the side of that. Like I needed someone who was like in the trenches with me in my business doing that sort of thing. And even stuff like when you start adding products, I mean, there's so many repetitive things or things that you as the business owner does not need to be doing yourself. um, That's really helpful to have someone else you know, putting together your slides, if it's a course, um, helping you with launch related things, setting up stuff on a website, if you're not a designer. So I think, yeah, having a team to help with that is huge. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, especially on the design, like for, as a non-designer, there is no app, like absolutely no way that I could create courses and launch them without the help of a professional designer. Like, that hire was like hands down the biggest return for sure. Um, I love that. Okay. That's super helpful. And I love that you kind of touched on this, but carving out time to like actually work on creating new things versus like trying to fit it in on the side is like something I think people don't really think about. They just see other people succeeding and they're like, well, they're doing it all. So I could probably do it all too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is carving out time. And it could be like, you know, if you are, let's say you're a service provider adding your first one to many product, it could be that you intentionally don't book a client one month and you've saved up some money to still be able to pay yourself and pay your team so that you can have the time to really hone in your effort and energy to work on that one thing. Um, it could be more like late night work, um, to like fit it all in, but yeah, it definitely it's yeah. Passive income is not passive and it, it requires a lot of time and work to set up and to like continue, um, continue with long-term. So yeah, that's such a myth. Like I literally hate it so much. I, I, and I, it's really hard because I want, I feel like that's, that's the vocabulary people understand is like, Oh, this is passive income. But even when I'm trying to like teach on passive income, I'm like, I'm teaching on passive income, but I truly don't believe it's ever going to be hundred percent passive. So see, I love the term scalable income instead, which you're right though. People don't people like they have a meaning behind passive income. Some people try to sell you that's literally no work. And then some people teach it understanding that it is, but I've always liked the term scalable. Cause we're saying that like, it is it is work involved, but it's not one-to-one. Therefore you make it once you can scale it. It's more about like, you're not, you're not limited on how many, you're not limited by your time on how many you can sell, which is awesome. 
Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a great way to phrase it. Like that makes so much sense to me. And I wish more people would like adapt that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with what we're talking about of like multiple revenue streams, like having one that is more scalable and not time-based is going to help you like, I choose the word scale again, but like scale your business, like really grow it, grow your own income long-term because it's not tied directly to how much time you have. So as your life changes and you're in different seasons, like you're able to still bring in income without like being tied to like, you only have this much time. Like we were just talking about this beforehand, but I'm a new mom ish. He's like seven months old right now. So I still feel like a new mom, but, um, I have less time to work right now in the season. And so it's like, it is nice to like have, um, revenue streams that are not based on like how many hours I'm putting in, but more on like, how can I market this? How can I make sure people find this? And then that's what sells it. That's amazing. So like, if you wouldn't mind, like share a little bit about that. Like, how are you, how, how are you navigating like a new time schedule? Cause I feel like that is something that's going to happen, whether you have kids or whether you grow a team or whether you just add in things like courses or different offerings that are not one-to-one, like, are you still taking one-to-one stuff? I'm not, I, yeah, I want to. So I think it's important as an educator to like, keep doing the thing you're teaching. Um, so I don't want to ever get away from one-on-one work for that reason, but I'm not taking clients right now because I am like the time is, um, more limited. So I do actually do a little bit of one-on-one stuff recently, but it's for like past clients to just like keep helping them with stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is such an adjustment. Like I have had to have a lot of grace for myself. So that would be advice of like, you're going to figure it out, but like give yourself grace for through, like, especially as a new mom, like the tiredness of it all, um, going back from attorney leave, like you might still not be getting good rest. And it's like, you have to be patient with yourself in that way and kind of finding new definitions for productivity and time management of like, it doesn't have to look the same as it did before. Um, and you like prioritizing too, I would say like, what's going to be revenue generating, being better at delegating stuff that someone else can do. I've gotten way better at that, even just in the last few months. And I I feel like even before having a baby, I I was slowly getting better at like kind of releasing of like, okay, like someone else can do this just as good or better in a lot of cases than me. And so like handing over stuff so that you can focus on the stuff that like just you can do. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. And I know you just, I think you just released an episode this week about time management as a new mom and like brought in a few guests. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I did a like compilation type episode where it's like a bunch of different women who are all working moms sharing their tips for like productivity and time management. So I listened to that last week and I was like, this is really helpful. So I was listening to my own podcast before it aired, but yeah, I mean, I think that's good to like ask and like seek wisdom from other people who have already done it with this kind of stuff too. So that's so cool. Yeah. Everybody should go listen to that again. It's the uh, breakthrough brand podcast. So take a listen. Cause I'm sure that will help so many people. Um, and I love the idea of a compilation podcast. I might have to steal that concept. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Oh my gosh, Laylee, it's so nice. Cause you're not one-on-one interviewing everyone. So yeah. hey, that's a little productivity tip. I ask a bunch of people, get them to send audio messages yeah. and then like put it all together with like, have your podcast editor group, put them all together. And yeah. That. And then you listen to it yourself before you record an intro. That's such a like win-win too. Cause it's like, you get a lot of feedback, a lot of good content from a lot of like brilliant people and save time too. I love that. Yeah. 
so cool. Okay. Well, as we wrap up, this was such a great episode. I know we like talked about a bunch of stuff, but we got to end with my signature unpopular opinion question. So maybe let's talk about your unpopular opinion on adding, adding a new revenue stream into your business. Yeah. So we kind of already talked about this. Well, I've, I feel like I alluded to it and I think you, I hope I can articulate this. Well, um, my, my unpopular opinion that I think about a lot lately is that it's better to start with services than passive income type products. When you're most of the time, when you're starting out, that's the best place to start versus believing that like, Hey, I'm brand new. I'm starting a business. I'm going to make a course. I'm going to make a shop. And like, that's, I'm skipping all the other stuff of working with clients. Um, I feel like right now there's a lot of teaching of like, that that's the place to start, like skip client work, working with clients sucks, which is just not true. Um, I, I hate how much there, that there's like criticism of the service business model right now. It's so needed and it's such a great way to make money. Um, but there's a lot of messaging of like, skip all that, make a course, make a product. And I think you'll ultimately, create better products. You'll know what people want. You'll have an audience to sell it to when you start with services. And then like, we're talking about add that on later as another revenue stream, like thinking about example of why I feel this way, like as a designer, you could book a client for say $6,000. It's going to take you a lot of sales of a $97 product to get to that amount of money. And so it's like, we're being told like, just, just make a product and you'll, you'll sell them. But then it's like, it's, it's a lot harder than it seems. So I always tell people like, I highly recommend starting with services, get good at what you're doing, learn what people want, hone your skill. And then if you want to add in more stuff. Oh my gosh. I could not agree with that more. I, I love that so much. It's so, so true. And you did, you totally articulated that perfectly. It made perfect sense to me. I, I swear I, even in education, people want to jump to courses or jump to the scalable. And I'm like, start with, start with the one-on-one, like start with mentoring, get to know what people need from you. But more importantly, to your point, learn your skill, learn your craft, learn your business. And, and start there. Don't try to skip ahead. It just, it never works out and you end up having to circle back anyway. So I think that is just such a great, such a great point. I'm glad you see that too. Yeah. I mean, it's, ah, uh, yeah. I hate it for people too. Cause I hate seeing people like decide like, oh, I'm just going to ditch all this and go do, and they put all their effort and energy into creating a digital product and then can't sell it because it might not be what people want. It might, they haven't learned how to do it. I mean, there's so many reasons it might not sell, but like that happened to me. Um, and I actually didn't even put that much effort in that time with that early product, but it's like, yeah, it stinks to have that happen. So it's helpful to, yeah, start, start with services. I love it. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here. Like we've already talked about your podcast, Breakthrough Brand Podcast. Where else can people find you? Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, I would say Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm just at Elizabeth McCravey and I'd love to to talk to people there. I'd be the main place. I love chatting with you there. So I know I do too. (laughs) All right. So everybody go check out Elizabeth. Thank you so much again for being on the show. You are amazing. Thank you, Laylee. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to SoHere'sTheThingPodcast.com. This show is brought to you by the Creative Educator Academy, where we teach creative entrepreneurs how to teach, because I believe that industries thrive when experts can share their knowledge well. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes or see your rating on Spotify. 
Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.